listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16. The official beer of the Swift Current Broncos is Ryan Schweitzer and Craig Boschman. It's another edition of the Broncos This Week podcast, brought to you by Original 16. I'm Ryan Schweitzer. He's Craig Boschman, fresh back from the BC trip with the 5 o'clock shadow, looking like you haven't slept in a little bit, uh, but a positive bus ride home from Prince George, eh? Well, just to comment on that, my electric razor did die, and I forgot to bring the charger on the trip, so that's why I look horrible right now. Um, <laughs> it was it was a good bus ride home. Obviously, finishing off uh, that trip with a win was so important for the team. Two really good efforts, I mean, really, really good efforts in Kelowna, Vancouver, maybe deserved to win I think they deserve to win and then to go into that last game after a long trip on Sunday it can be tough you, you know sometimes the mindset is man let's just get through this let's just get home whatever I just want to forget about it but hey full credit to the guys they played well they you know maybe got a couple lucky bounces from some tough goaltending from PG but at the end of the day they got a 7-2 win to finish off that trip and, and everyone was in a pretty good mood heading home you don't have to look good for a podcast and few people benefit from that more than I do but uh, yeah that 7-2 win in in Prince George just and, and you touched on it the there were a lot of bounces that didn't go the way of the Swift Current Broncos on that trip, but uh, it all seemed to just click for them uh, in PGA. Yeah, and that's the way it goes over a season. I mean, you look at the, just as a, a quick example, the game against Vancouver, you got five straight chances to win in a shootout, can't quite get it done, and then the next night you blow up offensively. So it all evens out over the course of the season. Sometimes it seems more frustrating than others when maybe there's three games in a row where you feel you could have won and then you win 10 nothing the next night. So um, it was one of those trips where, I mean, obviously the, the trip last year was so tough for the team, they went over and five no points and then this year they come home with four points after two overtime losses and I had a win so uh, a much more successful trip this year and uh, I think the guys were uh, were feeling pretty happy about the game on uh, on Tuesday. Got a great show lined up uh, this week we got Kimby Daniels joining us our feature guest uh, a member of the Swift Current Broncos 1989 Memorial Cup winning team Caleb Wirestock he's a prospect that a lot of people are talking about uh, we very much look forward to chatting with him in just a little bit here and uh, Dean Brockman's going to be joining us as well and uh, one of the questions that we posed to Dean was the play of Yona Kiviniemi. He had that hat trick in Prince George. You know, you're someone you've seen every minute of Swift Current Bronco hockey uh, preseason and regular season. You know, what do you make of Yona Kiviniemi? Yeah, he's, he's certainly one of those guys that can be a difference maker. Um, it's it's so hard to be consistently on in, in any sport, not just hockey, but you know, baseball, football, whatever it may be. It's not easy to be your best every single night. There's going to be nights when you just you're you're not at your top of your game. Whether it's you, you mishandle pucks, you, you one goes off your leg and in whatever it may be but that night in PG he was on and he was he was the best that he can be I think he he scored a you know a quick goal off the rush for his first one his second one was the WHL highlight of the night when he danced around two guys at center and then went hard on the on the backhand of the net and snuck one past the goalie and then he, he showed off what a great shot he has on the third one with a slap shot that just beat the goalie clean so uh, he was at his best there's no question about it on Tuesday and and I think that is the player that he can be he can certainly be a major difference maker and a guy that's a threat to score anytime he's in the offense zone and it's not going to happen every night but that night it did happen in PG and uh, it was a very impressive performance from him. For sure. Uh, Caleb Wirestock he's uh, he's playing in northern Alberta, playing midget, a ninth round bantam pick of the Swift Current Broncos signed a WHL standard player agreement. He's going to be joining us on our Crescent Point down the pipeline feature. Real fascinating player to look at from a statistical point of view. Yeah, a guy who's putting up major points this year uh, so far, just eight games with the northern Alberta extreme midget prep team but 
eight games, eight goals, seven assists, and 51 penalty minutes. So a uh, guy at Anes Hill, you'll hear him say he's a guy who does play that fine line of, of getting under your opponent's skin while also providing offense, and he's done that extremely well so far this season. And what a what a phenomenal interview as well. Sometimes these these young guys are kind of nervous and just can't quite you know formulate the, the sentences as well as a guy who's done it for a long time, like a Dean Brockman, for example. But, man, Caleb was one of the best we've had so far. Yeah, and, and I know fans are very much looking forward to hearing about him. He's going to be someone who I think Swift Current hockey fans are really going to enjoy watching. He, he's on pace, by the way. Did, did the math on this. Uh, you mentioned the, the 51 penalty minutes in eight games. So over a 30-game schedule, that would put him at 191. So, <laughs> But he, his team is successful. Yeah. So it he, he's taking a lot of penalties, but it doesn't seem to be hurting what his team is doing. No, his team's 8-1 and one so far, and, and that, that Northern Alberta program is one that's it's been so successful. I think they've won at least two straight midget prep championships, if not more. They, they won it last year when they had guys like Dylan Genther and Matt Savoy, and, and they may not have one of those top-end guys this year, but they're still a phenomenal program, and, and Caleb has been a massive part of that team so far this year. A Swift Current Bronco legend. And, and you know, sometimes people throw that word around <laughs> casually, but I think we can apply it to uh, our feature guest this week on the Broncos This Week podcast, Kimby Daniels. Uh, played in Swift Current on the 1989 Memorial Cup winning team. He was just a 16-year-old. He scored the tying goal in the Memorial Cup final that forced overtime. And then, of course, everyone remembers Swift Current winning that. But uh, a legend residing in Alaska, Kimby Daniels. Yeah, right up near my uh, my neck of the woods there. Uh, it's kind of funny because we talked to him before we started the, the podcast. And he said, oh, yeah, I've driven through Whitehorse so many times before. And it's it might be weird to hear like, someone who lives in Swift Current say, well, yeah, people drive through Swift Current all the time. But nobody drives through Whitehorse all the time. So it's kind of <laughs> cool to see that, uh, to know that he's been there and, and him living up there. He, he he told us in that interview that he went to Alaska with the, the intention to play one season and he ended up playing like nine. So he's made his home up there in Alaska. And, and like you said, he was a, a great chat, three unreal seasons with the Broncos here and then a very long pro career that took him all over the place. So uh, it was awesome to get him on here and then great to talk to him for like, what, 35 minutes? Yeah, we, we got a lot out of Kimby. It was a great chat. He, of course, was here last year as uh, as part of the Hockey Day in Canada festivities playing in that alumni challenge. He had to suit up as a defenseman and he did all right there despite, I don't think, I, I didn't even know Kimby could skate backwards. <laughs> he could sure go forwards in a hurry, but uh, but no, it'll be great to catch up with Kimby Daniels. We got Caleb Wirestock on our Crescent Point down the pipeline and in just a moment, we'll chat with Swift Current Bronco Head Coach and Director of Hockey Operations, Dean Brockman. This is Broncos This Week. You're listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16, the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. It's the Broncos This Week podcast brought to you by Original 16. On the phone right now with uh, Swift Current Bronco head coach and director of hockey operations, Dean Brockman. Dean, what's your 20 right now? Where are you at? We're in Calgary uh, watching the U16s. you know, we've got six drafted players here, and we just want to see what their development is like and, and get more reads on some of the kids that were drafted to other teams. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a great event. Uh, the four provinces are represented, and, uh, yeah, the good games were good yesterday, and uh, our man Brandon Cote was pretty successful in his first game. Yeah, big team Alberta win. Uh, I saw that Josh Davies factored in on the score sheet as well. Matt Ward uh, got, uh, got a point for BC. Sam Court for Team Manitoba. Uh, how are the kids looking? there the uh, the bronco draft pick kids in general 
Yeah, no, we're happy. Uh, you know, they're all a little bit bigger and a little bit better. And, uh, you know, it's great to see them in elite competition, just to see exactly where their progression needs to get to. And, uh, you know, we've been happy with everybody. I know uh, Reed had a tough night last night, but, uh, you know, everything was good. I, I mean, certainly he'll bounce back. We're still very confident in his ability. Uh, he was under barrage a lot of the time. So, you know, for us, uh, you know, it's really just about seeing how they progressed uh, from the time we saw them at camp till now. And then again, making sure that we evaluate all the other teams' uh, players as well so that, uh, you know, somewhere down the road, if there's something we need that we don't have, then we can go get it. Pretty cool moment for uh, Brandon Cote to be able to to, to take the, the reins there as the head coach for Team Alberta for an event like that too, isn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you could tell his team was well prepared, and uh, uh, just like Brandon, you know, they just play, work hard, and uh, go at it. And uh, it was great for him to see that. I know in talking to him before the game, you know, he's calm, cool, and collected, and uh, felt good about his chances. Even though they had a few roster late roster changes, so uh, you know, good for them to win. Uh, I'm a Saskatchewan guy, though, so go Saskatchewan, go <laughs> for sure. Uh, you know, Dean, uh, the, the league putting on an event like this, a W. UHL Cup where a lot of the top prospects are all together in one place. Uh, I would imagine that an event like this is pretty helpful for, for you and the people around the league who do what you do, eh? No, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, you know, as well, there's, you know, every team is here watching their prospects and, you know, it's, it's a part of the business, but it's great that the league does it. Uh, you know, obviously work into our schedule this year. Sometimes it doesn't work into your schedule. So you know, it's been pretty fortunate, uh, you know, to be able to see a few games here and then uh, get at the Brown and Wheat Kings on Saturday night. Yeah. Let's short a shift over to Broncos talk now, obviously finishing off that, that gargantuan BC road swing with, a win. You and I were talking before the game. I couldn't really stress the importance of getting a win to finish off that trip. And sure enough, your team had uh, one of their better performances of the year. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, we got a little bit of help from their goaltending too. I, you know, I think, uh, you know, it was just kind of one of those games where we finally got some pucks to go in and, and got some breaks. Uh, you know, I'd gladly give up a few of those goals for game winners in other games, but, you know, that's just the way it happens and, it, you know, it evens out. But it was so important uh uh, fortunately for me, I didn't get the bus ride, but, uh, you know, I mean, just the whole, you know, dynamic of coming home and, uh, if you don't win, then you start to, you know, guess whenever you, you know, when are you going to win? And for our group, uh, a lot of positive things happened. I, I felt, you know, at times we played some of our best hockey and obviously there was times where we weren't so good, but you know, there was more consistency in the games and things that we want to do. And, uh, you know, we have to get up there with the pace of the game and get up there with the level of play if you want to make changes throughout the year if you want to you know incorporate some of the things that there's a vision at the end of the year and how we should be able to play so you know I thought we took some steps obviously we didn't get the results that we needed to so you know we got to come back home we're going to have a team that's been on the road as well a long period of time in Brandon and you know they're going to play Friday night and play us Saturday night and then head home so we have to again take advantage of our schedule we know the first game back after a long road trip is difficult but you got to find a way i remember interviewing dale weiss years ago and he said as a team you you don't learn anything from a blowout now you guys just had that 7-2 win over prince george but you know having said that i would imagine that there were a few teachable moments for the boys in that win eh 
Well, it's just the habits, right, uh, that you create when you're when you're ahead by that nature, and uh, especially young guys in the in you know playing in the Western Hockey League, you know it's it's not as easy as that game appeared. You know, when you look at the video, you know a save here or a save there for them, and it's a, a totally different game. And uh, you know, again, you you try and preach good habits throughout the game and and not to to get out of sync or anything of that nature, but you know what happens. So uh, yeah good practice on Friday hopefully and uh, we can have a pregame skate on Saturday and see where it goes. A couple of your young defensemen got their first career goals on that trip uh, Casper Pudio in Vancouver and then Hendrick DeClerc a local guy in PG uh, you can, I think you can really see the confidence in their games growing as they get into more and more games Yeah I give Brandon credit he switched uh, the D pairings around a little bit just to uh, play different guys together when we, when we found a loss there on the road and you know, it just seemed like Hank and and Casper uh, kind of fit together, and you know, good on them. I think that that should boast well for their confidence. Uh, I thought Hank had a great road trip, and you know, Casper a little bit of inconsistency at time, but again, from him trying to do too much and not enough, so that's a great part of it. And uh, yeah, it was good to see those guys succeed. Uh, they put in a lot of time and a lot of hard work, so they got you know rewarded for it. And a big night for Yona Kiviniemi with his first uh, WHL hat trick. Uh, as far as Yona goes, Dean, what, what what's kind of the expectation for for him this year from you guys? Is he ready to take that next step and be an elite player in this league? Do you think? Well, we're we're hoping so. I, I think it's uh, that's our mindset as a coaching staff is to, to push and push and see how far you can push it. And uh, you know, again, uh, you don't know because you don't know the person as you you know you would like to. Uh, you know, you haven't spent twenty years with them, but you know, we're trying to push the buttons. I, I think he, you know, he's got a pro shot. I think it's you know every scout that I've talked to is you know that he's consistently inconsistent and. You know, that night he was on the, the whole night. And, you know, it's that compete level that we have to get him to to play at the pro level. Uh, you know, guys aren't forgiving at the next level. Uh, you know, they don't take anything off. And and that's the big thing. Uh, when you're 17, you got to find that, you know, 100% effort for whatever length of shift you have. And, and you have to be available uh, to be able to play and, and elevate your game. And those are the things that, you know, we're trying to push and get out of them. And, you know, I know scouts. Uh, after that game have, have been talking and you know it's all a process uh, you know for every player and the quicker you can get to your game where it's going to be complete you know and the better it is for them and uh, you know we believe in them we think that uh, there's a pro player in there and uh, we're going to keep pushing towards that and you know and as long as he's receptive of that you know we're all good with it just to finish off here Dean you did mention how Brandon is finishing off a long road trip just to give some context it's a seven game trip which ends it started in the U.S. division they play I think in Lethbridge tomorrow and then here uh, on Saturday so that's a huge road trip for them and, and there is some some thought process heading under for you guys that hey we got to take advantage of these guys for finishing off such a massive trip like that well yeah and it's uh, you know with us again we go back out on the road because of everything happening in the great city of Swift Current so uh, for us it's a home game and uh, yeah, it's always it's always a downer coming back off those trips but you got to find a way to, to motivate yourself so I know a lot like we thought our our last game of the trip was great maybe theirs will be so we have to prepare for that and uh, you know I, I like the, the mentality of our group after that win it was uh, like we had done it uh, 20 times before so uh, it wasn't like we won the Stanley Cup or anything, so that's good. I think uh, you know guys should expect and play to win every night. 
It's the Broncos This Week podcast brought to you by Original 16. We've been chatting with Swift Current Bronco head coach and director of hockey operations, Dean Brockman, who is in Calgary at the WHL Cup. Dean, thank you so much for uh, taking 10 minutes to chat with us this morning. Greatly appreciate it. Awesome, guys. Have a great day. It's time to go down the pipeline. Presented by Crescent Point. Davies scores a hat trick for Josh Davies. Will we take a look at the next generation of Swift Current Broncos? Broncos This Week podcast presented by Original 16. It's time to go down the pipeline for Crescent Point, and we are joined now on the phone by Broncos prospect Caleb Wirestock. Caleb, how's it going today? Good, Craig. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Uh, so you're playing with the uh, Northern Alberta Extreme for another year, but you've moved up to the midget prep division so far, and based strictly off your stat line here, it looks like the transition's been quite easy for you so far. How are you feeling uh, eight games into your season? I'm feeling really good. You know, just coming together with uh, a new group of guys. We got quite a few returners, so that helps. Uh, but just fitting in those new faces and kind of getting the chemistry going back again, is, it's just going great. Yeah, looking at your stat line, Caleb, it's uh, it's pretty impressive. You got 15 points in eight games, but uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask about the 51 penalty minutes in eight games <laughs> thus far. <laughs> what makes up those? Oh, yeah. As you guys know, you guys see me at camp. I'm a, I'm a gritty player. That's just the way I am. So that, that comes with some penalty minutes. Um, there's probably some, some penalties I could have probably worked on and not taken. But, you know, that's just the type of player I am and the style I play. And that's how I'm successful. So I just decided to stick with it. I, I want to ask you the classic question as well, you know, just, just kind of building on that. You know, when we talk to these prospects, we often ask, what NHL player do you model your game after or do you compare yourself to? Who would that be for you? Um, I would want to say a Brad Marchand. You know, he's chippy. He gets under the other team's skin a lot, but he's still got lots of skill, can put the puck in the net, and he's just a great playmaker. So, yeah, that'd probably be my, my player of choice. Yeah, and you said that's kind of just the way you play it because this, this penalty minute total, you know, games-wise, is not new for you. The last year was the same thing. You put up almost four penalty minutes a game last year. So was there a certain age you got to when you just kind of decided that's the kind of player I'm going to be? Um, yeah, it was probably Bantam first year, just when contact started, just, I don't know, the, the rough part of the game, it just had me intrigued. So I wanted to, to use that and use that to my abilities and just to be successful that way. So, Well, it seems to be working for you because the other stat there is the 15 points in eight games. So, so you're just under two points a game right now. You know, what bounces are going your way or, or how are things working out for you to, to, to put up numbers like that, man? Yeah, you know, just the guys I'm playing with, they're just finding me in all the right spots, and I'm finding them, and they're burying the puck. So it's, like I said, it just comes down to the chemistry, and I got some good chemistry with my line mates right now, and I think we're probably going to stick with that for a bit because it's working. Yeah, you've got a couple of guys who are almost three points a game on that team. You guys are 8-1 and one so far, so I know this Northern Alberta team is kind of one that's been a bit of a powerhouse. They won the midget prep division last year, and also the Elite 15s division, which you were on, so we'll get a little more into that later on. But this midget prep team with the Northern Alberta program seems to be year after year uh, a top contender in that uh, midget prep division and it's no different for you guys this year yeah no for sure they are a great program up here and i'm i'm happy to be a part of it because like you said they're they're always top contenders they got great coaches up here that that just uh, got a lot of new things each year to to add on to the team to make it better and just to compete up here from all these guys it's, it's great i love to be a part of it 
You were a uh, you were a late round selection by the Swift Current Broncos in the uh, WHL Bantam Draft, but uh, you ended up working hard and, and signing a standard player agreement uh, to play for the Swift Current Broncos. You know, talk about that whole experience. First off, getting drafted, kind of being a guy who was under the radar as a late round pick, but then working your way up to signing that SPA. Yeah, no, for sure. I was I was a ninth round pick, so that I guess. I was kind of under the radar, like you said. Um, kind of had not not the best year in Bantam's second year, but still a, a good year, obviously. But I think that obviously the transition up to 15 here at NAX really helped me in my development that way. And I think that was part of the reason I am where I am now. And that was probably part of the reason I decided to come back and play midget prep here. So, no, I think all the, the coaches and staff and my teammates last year and stuff and this year just helping me develop in that way. Yeah, let's talk about that Elite 15s year last year. I mentioned you guys won the division championship, which was held in Penticton, British Columbia. Uh, I believe you also got the eventual game-winning goal in that final game. So I'm guessing that was one of the biggest games you've played in in your career. I mean, how were you feeling leading up to the game and then as the game was going on? Yeah, no, it was hard because I was, I was suspended the first couple games of playoffs, so it was hard jumping in just that atmosphere and stuff, jumping in a couple games in. And then just before that finals game, obviously you got the nerves and everything, and everybody's got the nerves. And just both teams, it was it was a really hard-fought battle against Burnaby. Um, I think we only ended up winning 2-1, so it was a really defensive game, and we all had to, to be on our game for us to, to pull through there. But no, in the end, it was... It was a great game, and I think that my my line mates also that game really helped me get chances, and yeah, I ended up burying to get that that two one goal. So, and that must have been an amazing experience. And from there, you head to your first Western Hockey League camp with the uh, Swift Current Broncos this fall. W- what was that experience like? And uh, well, I'll ask you that first question first off, and then follow it up. But uh, you know, what was that camp experience like for you? Yeah, no, obviously I went when I got drafted just as a, a rookie there, but actually coming into the camp this year, um, I felt a lot more confident just having one camp under my belt. And I think that obviously there's nerves to that too, playing against some guys that are quite a few years older than me. But I think that going into that camp, I just wanted to show that I I can play at that level. I can skate at that level and stuff like that. So I think it was just about proving myself that that I can be there and that I can play with those guys. You're a guy who who plays with an edge. Do you see your style now that you're playing in midget and that you played in bantam? Can you see yourself transitioning and and being effective playing that kind of game at the dub level? Um, Yeah, I think I could play a great game at the double level like that obviously there's some more discipline that needs to be had by me but i think that i just gotta gotta choose my moments and spots so so being smart about it and stuff like that but no i think for sure that i could be successful at that level now before we take a look at your preseason games here with the broncos i wanted to check out what your your kind of day-to-day life is like playing at nax because it is that uh you know it's a school it's it's hockey at the same time and as a guy who didn't do anything like that growing up through high school i was just school and then work so for you what's kind of a, a standard day when you're out of program like NAX yeah no for sure wake up it starts early in the morning wake up at about six and then have some breakfast uh drive myself to the rink in the morning for practice at seven thirty, and then around the ice for an hour and a half doing whether it's skills or power skating or just some system stuff like that we're on till till nine and then we get off head to school for for first block at ten fifteen, and then that takes us through the day at school just with the buddies and stuff until till 3.15 and then after that we have a workout from 3.30 to 4.30 so 
uh, whether that's we do yoga sometimes or we do agility and then obviously we have our main workouts with strength and stuff like that but no and then after that it's going back home and doing that homework and stuff and finishing off the day yeah and people might look at it from an outside perspective and think it's so focused on hockey but really it is a fine balance between hockey and school isn't it yeah, no, for sure. You got to get you got to get the grades and the schoolwork done. That's one of the top priorities here with our academy. Is this if you got you missing assignments and stuff like that, you'll you'll it'll affect your play and it'll definitely weigh you down in the long run leading up to playoffs. All right, so you're focusing on that now, but I wanted now to check in on your your preseason games. You got into four preseason games, and one of them, maybe more specifically, I wanted to ask you about was the one in Irvine. I know there was a camera crew that wanted to talk to you after the game because you're from Medicine Hat, and I was talking to that uh, those guys there and they were saying that you were the first medicine hat player to be drafted into the western league in like 10 years or something like that so must be kind of cool for you to play that close to home and eventually you'll be able to play games in medicine hat but for now that must have been kind of a cool moment for you no obviously that was a special moment yeah i had a lot of a lot of friends and family that came out to that game so i just wanted to to focus on that and play well just for them and to show that obviously small town kids like me and medicine had there's obviously they got a shot in that a league like that so i just wanted to show show them and perform for my friends and family in that game well you're going to get plenty of opportunity to do that because uh you know being selected by the swift current broncos the broncos moving into that central division and swift was in the central division years ago and there was quite a rivalry with medicine hats so what what's it going to be like for you being the medicine hat kid playing for one of the team's biggest rivals no, obviously that's kind of kind of ironic, but I think that obviously you got a couple like my friends and family, some fans like that. But I think going there is uh, it'll be it'll be hard to play against. Obviously, like you said, that rivalry is still going to be there and stuff, and it's there already. But I think those are going to be fun games. Those are going to be some of the most fun games of this season. Just playing in front of my hometown, but also trying to trying to beat them and kind of get under their skin. Yeah, and, and fair to say, or fair to assume, I should say that you were probably a Tigers fan growing up. So, I mean, what kind of memories do you have going to the rink? Uh, you know, watching Tigers games and watching the Western League, and knowing that one day you wanted to be there. Yeah, for sure. I went to to lots of games with my my friends and obviously my family. Like I remember going to games with my dad and just watching Hunter Shakirik and and all those guys and Tyler Buns and and that team and just watching them and saying to my dad like I hope I play in that league one day. That would be a pretty cool experience and all those high level guys and stuff like that. So no, I definitely have a lot of memories that that come back when I play there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, actually, you go ahead. I'm good. <laughs> um, okay. Let's talk about the... Had it and I lost it. Yeah, no worries. Uh, we'll edit this out. The yeah. uh, the travel in your league, uh, Caleb, obviously the, the CSSHL spreads over a couple of different provinces. So you guys are based uh, near Edmonton, but there's teams in BC, there's teams on Vancouver Island, there's teams in Saskatchewan. So what is the travel like for you guys when you're so spread out, just like the Western League? Yeah, obviously we have some road trips. We do our showcases, but usually we leave on like a Thursday and stuff. So obviously we have to stay up to date on our schoolwork and stuff and classes that we miss but we have study halls for that but I think that obviously it's hard it's a grind there's four games in four days or three games in three days and stuff like that similar to to what you guys do but I think that just that it's getting me ready it's demanding physically demanding and mentally demanding in ways so I think that that is definitely getting me ready for for the next level what are some of the conversations you've had uh, with the Swift Current Broncos since uh, since training camp has has there been talk of of maybe you being a part of things this year as a as a call-up or anything like that um there's been a bit of talk um just 
for APing and stuff when maybe they're in the area or I'm in the area where they're playing. But other than that, there there hasn't been much. Um, well, moving forward, Caleb, obviously you've got the, the almost two points a game so far this year. You won a league championship with the Elite 15s group last year. When it comes to your goals for this year, is it just as simple as winning a midget prep championship before making that full-time jump to the Western League? Yeah, for sure. I think that's our team's end goal. That's my end goal. It doesn't matter. I don't I don't really care how many points I get. I just want the the best for the team. So I think winning that, that championship for the third year in a row would be a, a really cool experience and I think that would top off my my lead, my uh, my play going into next year. Well, that's great, Caleb. Thanks so much for doing this. Awesome to have you on here and I can't wait to see you in that first game and uh, hopefully won't spend too much time in the box. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. You're listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16, the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. Broncos This Week podcast, presented by Original 16. We've got Broncos alum Kimby Daniels on the line now. Kimby, how are you today? I'm doing good. It's... uh not too cold yet up here in Alaska, so I can't complain. Yeah, you've you've made your home in uh, Anchorage, Alaska. How long have you been there for? Because you played there for a long time. Have you just never left town after you finished playing there? Yeah, pretty much. I came up here to, to play what I thought would be one year, my last year of hockey, and uh, ended up playing seven more and never leaving. So, Right on. Uh, Kimby, we yeah, were just, yeah. uh, just prior to us calling you, I was just talking to Craig, and uh, we, we were talking about that 1989 team that, of course, you were a part of, and uh, we'll, we'll get a lot of your memories from, from playing in Swift Current, but uh, people talk about Tim Tisdale scoring the biggest goal in Swift Current Bronco history. I, I would say that you definitely scored what would be the second biggest goal in Bronco history to, to force that Memorial Cup final into overtime. You know, what was that whole season like for you, just coming in as a 16-year-old and just being part of such an elite group? Well, it's obviously my, probably my best year of hockey that I've had. Um, you know, I knew quite a bit about the Western Hockey League. I grew up in Brandon, Manitoba, so I I saw the Wheat Kings play quite a bit and saw a lot of a lot of good players come through there, but uh, I still had no idea when I arrived in Swift Current how good that team was, was and was going to be. So it, it took uh, it took a little while for me to, to find my place and and play and start playing regularly but uh but once i did it was uh it was quite uh, quite a season now i don't think there was a western league draft back then so how did you actually end up coming to uh, to be the part of the swift current broncos well i was listed uh, by originally by moose jaw when they when they came over from winnipeg and so i went to a couple of uh couple of camps when they first moved um, and then I ended up getting dropped and kicked up by Brandon. And having lived and, and grown up in Brandon, my dad didn't really want me playing for the Wheat Kings. In the 80s, they just weren't very good. And there seemed to be good players going there and, and not really panning out for whatever reason that may be. So um, he asked the coach of the Broncos at the time to, to make a trade, and they made a trade for my rights. And uh, that allowed me to go to, to Swift Current and play. So coming in as a 16-year-old, you know, you're surrounded by by all that elite talent and, and guys that were in the league, yet yet you got in there and were, were a big contributor early. You know, what was it like for you, just, you know, a bright-eyed kid uh, arriving at camp? And, and finding a spot on that talent-laden team? 
Well, I think it was just playing. I, I back then, and and I think that's probably players at all levels when when they move up a, a step. It's probably just how they handle it. If if they think or believe that they can play at that level, then in most cases they probably can. But for me, that's pretty much what it was. But every time you go on the ice, you you had good players surrounding you, so it wasn't a situation where. You know, in pro, sometimes guys get called up and and they play with a fourth line or third line checker. That doesn't really do them any favors. But in Swift Current, I mean, you were on the ice with good players pretty much all the time. So it it definitely helped and made you look good. So, um, you know, I had to wait a little bit. Uh, We had some guys that got injured, some guys that went to the World Junior Camp. So that opened up some space for me to play. And and then, uh, you know, once once you get that chance, you don't uh, want to give anyone a reason to take it away from you. So. I just kind of ran with it. So growing up in Manitoba, I, I don't know if you'd ever been to Swift Current before you ended up playing here, but uh, when you first drove into town and got set for your first training camp, I mean, what do you what do you remember about getting here for the first time? How, how small it was. I, <laughs> Brandon's not the biggest city, uh, but it's, you know, probably over well over 40,000. But a lot of my family and I did play the year before in Winnipeg, which is a big city. So when I came into Swift Current, all I really saw was the mall and the uh, the north side of town. Once I once I got in and got settled, it uh, uh, obviously I I think it was you know the best choice I could have made. I enjoyed my time playing there and living there. Yeah, you know what were some of the things that players you know did to to pass the time in between games? I mean, obviously it's a grueling seventy two game schedule, but you are left with a lot of downtime. Like what what can you recall about uh, some of the off ice activity and some of the ways? you guys uh, killed time back in the day <laughs> i think uh and i may have days mixed up here but I, i'm pretty sure back then the mall was only open at night on thursdays yes so <laughs> we didn't really play we didn't play very much on many thursday night games so obviously that was a big big night to, to pass some time by um, video games were kind of in vogue you know back then with nintendo becoming pretty big and popular so played a lot of video games rented a lot of movies um, just stuff like that there there wasn't uh, a ton of stuff to do in Swift Current but most hockey players aren't looking to do a ton of stuff so it didn't really factor in that uh, the city wasn't huge I mean we would go to movies as well um, so it usually took a month or two for them to switch them out but uh, <laughs> other than that it was just kind of hanging out and having fun so that rookie season I mean you're almost a point per game in the regular season you were a point per game in the playoffs and then the Memorial Cup rolls around and you as a 16 year old score five goals in five games so would you think that Memorial Cup and and even that playoffs run was a bit of a coming out party for yourself yeah to extent I I didn't really play I don't think I played a power play shift until really really late in the regular season and then in the playoffs I began to play it quite a bit and um, I started killing penalties probably after Christmas, but as the season went on, my ice time just increased and, and really by the probably the second round of the playoffs, I was with the exception of maybe Kennedy and Tisdale probably played as much as any forward. So it was, um, you know, for me, I just kind of at that point just hopped over the boards and went out whenever I was told and just tried to make the best of it. That Memorial Cup game, uh, May 13th, 1989, you know, biggest day in Swift Current Bronco history. Uh, it, it, and you had that huge goal. You guys were, were down 3-2 after two. You scored in the third period to force overtime. You know, what, what do you remember about that day in that game? 
Well, it was, we played the night before, so there wasn't much time to um, really think about it. It was an afternoon game, so we just kind of got up, headed to the rink, and, and got ready to play. Um, the one thing I remember about that team and that, that season was we just didn't really have nerves. There. I mean, I don't remember being nervous before games, during games. Um, even in that situation when we were down a goal going into the third or even tied after the third going into overtime, there was just a calm that you just expected to win. And I played on some good teams after that where there was definitely a panic level. So I, I was really surprised looking back how we didn't have that. And uh, I think that's the biggest thing, not only with the talent and the kind of guys and players that we had, but just the fact that there was never – Never really any doubt that, and, and we could have lost that game. And, uh, you know, obviously we won bounce and then we lose, but I, I don't think there was any doubt in anyone's mind that we were going to win and should have won. You'll hear athletes sometimes say that in a moment like an overtime championship winning goal, they kind of black out and almost forget the moment. Do you remember what it was like when that puck went in uh, in overtime to win the Memorial Cup? Yeah, it was. Uh, I remember it was relief for sure, uh, but excitement. Uh, there, you know, for me being in my first year to win it, my first year was certainly a thrill. Um, I can't imagine what some of the players and people that had, had been there the previous years, what they had gone through for them to win is is had to be something that obviously they would never forget. But uh, yeah, I definitely remember, and uh, you know, I knew kind of when when Cruz was walking down the wall there that. I had a feeling something good was going to happen, and unfortunately it did because if it, if it had gone the other way, I think Kyle Reeves was the only player left back, and I'm not even sure if he can skate backwards. So <laughs> definitely uh, very, very fortunate it went in. Yeah. What was it like that night in Saskatoon? I mean, I remember I was there. I was a kid. There was like thousands of Swift Current people that were there as well. What did the team do after leaving the rink that night, if you recall? We actually went, uh, we got on the bus and drove uh, drove back to Swift Current. And uh, I don't even know if we stopped anywhere. I don't think we stopped and ate anywhere. We probably, maybe a fast food place. But uh, yeah, we just uh, drove back into Swift Current. I know it was still daylight when we arrived and we kind of made plans and met up at, uh, at a couple of establishments. And I know it was uh, pretty late night, Saturday night, Sunday morning by the time... Uh, it ended so definitely was a good time um you know there was uh probably not the the raucous bus ride home like maybe people would envision it was more of a mellow subdued kind of uh of a relief of what we had accomplished uh, but we definitely had a little fun that night for sure must have been just a hero's welcome here in town too i mean everyone knows how important this team is to the community so i can only imagine getting back to town with the trophy and tow. i mean there must have been people almost like lining the streets waiting for you guys yeah there was a ton of people at the at the arena we had back then the dressing room was in the back side of the building um and uh it was definitely packed with, with cars, with people. Um, it certainly didn't take long to, to unload the bus and, and move on from there. But, uh, yeah, I remember pulling in off the highway and seeing, uh, I mean, I, if I were to put a number, I would say 500 people probably. I mean, it was definitely, definitely quite a bit, uh, quite a big crowd. Do you, uh, are you still in touch with any members of that 1989 team that you still talk to regularly? 
not regularly on occasion if we see them or or through text and email i mean we did try to we did the 10 well i guess it was 10 years ago the uh the reunion in swift current and we try to do something every five years but that hasn't panned out with i know guys are living all over canada and the united states so that definitely makes it uh makes it tougher but uh yeah we'll we'll run into i've run into a few guys over the years or email and text but uh yeah it's definitely definitely good to hear and see from them when i do i mean you don't and it really is like nothing's changed i mean i know it's a cliche thing to say but it's you can pick up where you left off like like you never left same joke same same kind of laugh and everybody still has those similar traits that they did when they were that age so it's definitely uh good to, to talk and to see some of those old players the following year you ended up uh, increasing your point total up to 94 points 43 goals you end up getting drafted 44th overall by the philadelphia flyers you would have known it was your draft year i mean how did you how did you feel over the course of the season and leading up to the draft did you kind of know that you were you're probably going get, to get picked uh, relatively early yeah, I was rated pretty high going into the draft. I think a lot of it had to do with the Memorial Cup, but uh, we had a pretty pretty young team that year. Uh, we made some trades to, to get even younger than we were, so I think we went in a different uh, different direction. We we started off, I think six or seven, you know, but uh, but that uh, that changed. We ended up uh, making some trades and and uh, pretty much at that point had a midget team. I think we only had four guys that were over that were eighteen or, or older. So so it was uh, it was definitely a bit of a, a bit of a change from the first year, but uh, it was good in the sense that we were in a battle to get in the playoffs and and we did did clinch late in the year to get in. So it was certainly uh, from that aspect a, a fun game. And um, yeah, I was pretty confident back then. I think it might even be the same. You could only go in the first three rounds of your first year. So I felt confident that somebody would pick me in, in one of the one of the first three rounds. You know, what was that year like for you? Because obviously you go from from the high of playing on such a stacked team and winning that Memorial Cup to, to suddenly you're a leader on a rebuilding squad. And I know that's something that a lot of players uh, on this year's Bronco team are, are going through now after that championship of 18. You know, what, what advice would you give to a player who's been through that situation that that you went through? Well, it was it was a change for sure. I mean, we kind of as a group struggled at times to to win games, and um, and we certainly had a, an X on our back every time we played somebody. They they brought their their best game, knowing that we probably beat up on them pretty good the year before, and then of course went in the Memorial Cup. So we definitely uh, had some payback through the year, but uh, just you know, you just got to stay positive, play play to your strength, do what you do well, and and. Uh, um, you know, it, it, back then it's that. I mean, I see it now when you see young teams, you can tell the difference in age. But when you're playing, you don't really think, even if you're 16 or 17, you're any different than the guy that's 19 or 20. But that is a pretty big difference. So uh, I think for us, when we ran into teams that were a little older, a little more experienced, uh, you know, it was tough, uh, tough for us to, to overcome it. The 91-92 season, once uh, you'd finished a 118-point year with the Broncos in 91, you end up starting the year, looks like, with the Flyers in the NHL. So, you know, being a guy who scored so many points in junior and then walking into an NHL locker room with guys like Rod Brindamore and Kevin Deneen, is it a bit of a big culture shock for you to walk into an NHL dressing room like that, or how did you feel? Yeah, it was the, the um, you know, I went to two training camps. I played um, my second training camp. I played a few exhibition games and and played pretty well um and then uh, when i played my first game i actually 
came up from Swift Current, and they told me that I was going to play in the American League in Hershey, so I, I flew into Philly, and that was what I thought was happening. I hadn't signed a contract yet, um, but somebody picked me up at the airport and took me to, to the hotel in Philly and said that somebody would give me a ride to the, the rink the next day, so uh, I went to the morning skate and ended up finding out there was a game that night and then I was in touch with my agent back then I hadn't signed anything and and they wanted me to play that night but obviously I needed a contract first so they worked that out in the afternoon Um, we couldn't really agree on a contract so it ended up just being a, a tryout contract and then I would have to sign again once the season ended but that at least allowed me to play um play those games so it was definitely uh an eye opener for me i went in i still had pretty long hair (laughs) yeah i I remember it was actually funny It, it was in a joking way but after the morning skate um Craig Berube was on the team and uh, you obviously look at some of his pictures from when he played, he had pretty long hair and he said, Hey, nobody on this team has longer hair than me. So <laughs> um, I knew, he, I, I knew he kind of said it as a, as a joke, but uh, that afternoon before, uh, before the game, I went and got a haircut and that was pretty short. <laughs> yeah. So it's actually one of my, my first hockey card, I think I'm stretching and I have a, a really, really uh, short haircut. Um, a lot shorter than it was that day. But when I showed up at the rink to play, he was laughing. He said, "Hey, I was only kidding. I didn't mean to go get your haircut." But uh, obviously, being a rookie and and uh, you know playing possibly my first game, I certainly uh, didn't need to, didn't need that to be the storyline. So, well, that year you also end up playing World Juniors, uh, the U20s, uh, an, an unreal team. I mean, looking at the roster of this team, there's guys like Lindros, Korea, Sidor, Lapointe, Bomb. I mean, there's so many stars on this team, and that must have been uh, it must have been almost on easy street going for the championship. Well, we ended up uh, we struggled that year. It was uh, we yeah, we had some good players. Um, Lindros, Korea, Korea probably didn't play as much as he should have. I mean, he was even at 17 was was better than uh, pretty much everyone there except for Lindros. Um, and I think our coach at the time he probably wasn't well versed in the international game I think that was a big problem that we had uh, he, I don't think he was familiar with uh, making adjustments and what needed to, to happen for us to be better but uh, on paper we were certainly certainly good but uh, we didn't have the result uh, that we wanted but from a, from a personal experience it was uh, it was fantastic yeah and then uh, you know you ended up coming back to, to Swift Current for a bit and then finishing out your uh, your WHL career in Seattle you know what was that like for you you know finishing out your career in Seattle after you know what was a successful run in Swifty it was fun I, I enjoyed it, it uh, playing uh, playing a big city a lot of our a lot of our games were uh, well even in the smaller smaller building were sold out and then we played uh, played a handful in the uh, key arena I think it was back then and it was uh, almost sold out whenever we played there and then I think uh, I'm sure it's changed now but we did play a game in Tacoma which we they set the record for the largest indoor crowd for a hockey game I mean it was something crazy but uh and it was mostly Seattle fans, so that was that was definitely an entertaining game to, have to be involved in. So it was uh, it was different in the sense that uh, the division was tougher. I mean, every team probably had five or six heavyweights on their team, so every game there was a good 
six to six to eight fights. So it definitely made for longer, slower games, but it was a fun, fun, fun style to play for sure. And once junior was done, obviously you make that jump to pro full time and uh, played for, you know, in, in a lot of different leagues, you know, the American league, the international league, the COHL. I mean, it's uh, your, your first foray into, you know, non NHL pro hockey at full time. Uh, what was it like to kind of make that jump and then end up being a pro hockey player for what ended up being a long, long time? Yeah, it was, uh, for me, it was, I mean, I, not a job in a bad way, but it was, it was my job for a long time. So, um, as my years went on, I just had tried to prepare the best I could in the summertime and then, and then play, play during the season. Um, I played a lot of different places, but for the most part, they were great cities, good organizations, good teams. So I had definitely had no, no complaints about that, but, uh, you know, it, for me, it was just about just trying to stay in shape during the summer and be ready to play when the winter came. Um, I think allowed me to play a lot longer than I thought. I was able to stay relatively healthy, so that, uh, that definitely helped. And it was very good to see you last year. You're, uh, you found the road back to Swift Current to partake in that Hockey Day in Canada Alumni Classic uh, on the ice with some some past NHL greats and some some former teammates. You know what? Talk talk about that experience of uh, of kind of rejoining the crew after a long time. Yeah, that was definitely a good time. Um, I, <laughs> a little cold, though. I, I've been in been Alaska for almost 20 years, and I've, it hasn't gotten that cold up here, so it's kind of shocking. But uh, other than the cold, it was definitely a great, uh, great weekend. Um, I didn't know I was going to have to play defense with only 4D, so um, that made it a little, a little tougher than than I anticipated. But uh, it was it was definitely good to be back on that rink. I always loved uh, loved playing in that building. It's always been really good ice, so. It was certainly, from that standpoint, a real, real fun experience to get a chance to do that again. A few changes to the old barn since you were last in there, too, eh? Yeah, yeah, it definitely looks uh, looks good. I, it certainly would have, uh, when I was playing, would have been nice if it if it had those, uh, you know, that much room and and space. Because I'm sure we could have we could have filled it filled it back then too. But uh, it did seem a little darker though. That was the only thing I didn't. Uh, I didn't like about it, but everything else was certainly uh, certainly an upgrade. There's one uh, one pro season I wanted to ask you before we get into you going up to Alaska and eventually setting up shop there. 98-99 uh, looks like kind of split the season between the ECHL and Slovenia. I'm not even going to try and pronounce this team's name over there in Slovenia. So what was it? I mean, going over to Slovenia to play over European hockey and then coming back, uh, was it just half a season kind of thing? Yeah, I played. Uh, it was a place called Ljubljana, and uh, I'd actually went there in, originally in '94 or '5. I can't remember what it was, but um, I don't know if you remember the NHLer uh, Neil Sheehy, who played for the Flames for quite a bit, and Washington. He became a player agent, and he went and played there right after the they were in a civil war. It used to be part of Yugoslavia. And then they broke away and I'd never even heard of this place. So he, he was retired and I ran into him in Minnesota and he was telling me I should go play there. And he was kind of representing their team. And so I did go over there and play half a year and it was just fantastic. I mean, it was one of the best places I've ever been in my life. And uh, so I ended up going back again for a half a year in 98 or 99, whatever it was. So um, just a beautiful part of the world. I mean, it was 
it was worth it certainly to go back and I was lucky to lucky to play there twice. Did you think about uh, staying over in Europe or was it always you wanted to come back to North America after that kind of half season? Yeah, I, I did. I, I, you know, in hindsight, I probably should have stayed there. <laughs> but I ended up uh, ended up coming back. But it was uh, we played over there. We played in a good league. We played in against Austria and Italy. Um, and I think eventually they made it up for one of the Slovenia made it into the A pool at some point. For such a small country, the hockey was actually really good, and they've had some pretty good, pretty good players come out of there. So. Um, but uh, yeah, no. For me, I always enjoyed North America. But if I was going to stay in Europe, I, that certainly would have been a, a spot to do it. So you end up going up to play for the Alaska Anchor or the Anchorage Aces, or in the 2000-2001 uh, season. We were just talking before we started recording here that you sort of originally planned to only go there for one year and ended up playing eight, and now you live there. So what what made you change your mind? Yeah, I, I came up here and I'd never been to Alaska, and they. Uh, offered me a pretty good contract. So I thought it would, I'd come up and check it out and play a year. And, um, it, it's a lot like Canada. The, 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 the city is a huge hockey city. Um, and it felt obviously everywhere we go, we have to fly. Uh, so it just felt like that I wasn't playing in the minors. It felt like I was playing at a higher level. We flew everywhere, played in nice cities, stayed in nice hotels, and the fans up here were were great so it just kind of from that point went from year to year to year until eventually it stopped so but uh we had some uh, we had some pretty good teams up here ended up winning winning a couple championships um so it uh, it was definitely worth to stay what's uh what occupies your time now what's uh, still any involvement in in the hockey universe or uh, what's the day-to-day life of kimby daniels these days no, no, I haven't. Uh, when I stopped playing, that was it. I don't, uh, I don't uh, do anything. I don't coach, don't scout, do anything like that. Very rarely play. Um, but uh, up here, I do. It's for those who haven't been there. It's pretty remote. There's not a huge road system, so there's some uh, expediting that uh, that I do for remote lodges and camps. Um, they have to get their supplies and stuff in Anchorage and then they get it flown out. So that's pretty much what, uh, what I do on a day to day busier in the summer than it is in the winter. But, uh, other than that, just, uh, try to leave a couple times in the winter to go somewhere warmer and except for swift currently in the exception. And then, uh, just get ready for the summer again. Well, you had mentioned uh, before you ended up coming to Swift Current, your first impression was you're not really sure you wanted to play here, but then you ended up loving it. So I guess that's kind of the message to any guys who sort of, you know, if they end up coming to the Broncos, you think, hey, you know, give it a chance and it could end up being an amazing time for you. Yeah, for sure. Even back then when I was, Swift Current was probably the place most players wanted to play uh, for a couple of reasons. We We had good teams. Um, usually skilled teams. Um, everybody obviously wants or thinks they're a skilled player, so they always wanted to come there. Um, and, and and even guys that were were considered tough guys that played in other cities, they would get traded there and, and they would get a chance to play and, and they would show that they had some skill and they could play the game. So, uh, But it was, yeah, it was the best place for me that I could think of. I mean, I, whenever I've had conversations with anybody, it's – I tell him it's a great place to go, a great place to live, and you wouldn't uh, 
you wouldn't want to end up anywhere else if you didn't have to. Kimby Daniels joining us on the phone from his home in Alaska. Kimby, we uh, we greatly appreciate you taking the time to uh, chat with the Broncos this week podcast and uh, and get caught up and share some stories. It's uh, it's greatly appreciated, man. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for the call. It's good to, to touch base with, base with people in Swift Current, miss the city, miss uh, miss playing there, and should try to get back a little a little more often than I should. If I was a better golfer, I would. I'd come back to the tournament a little more often. But <laughs> well, and and but just I can't justify it. Well, and just so you know, and I'm glad you touched on it earlier. The uh, the Kimby Daniels mullet remains a big part of Swift Current folklore. Just so you know. <laughs> Well, that's good. If I I should maybe grow it out one more last time before uh, before I can't uh, grow my hair any longer. So. <laughs> right on, Kimby Daniels. Thank you so much for joining us today, man. All right, thanks, guys. Good talking to you. You're listening to Broncos this week, presented by Original 16, the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. Another loaded show on the Broncos this week podcast, brought to you by Original 16. I'm Ryan Schweitzer, Craig Boschman here. Craig, uh, big weekend coming up. The Dr. Noble Irwin Regional Healthcare Foundation, closer to the heart campaign, is going to invade the Innovation Credit Union Iplex on Saturday. Yeah, and then people who may have been listening to the broadcast over the last uh, road trip, I guess, would have heard the 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 uh, ad that Butter did and read uh, read through it, and obviously a huge uh, you know uh, fundraiser for that uh, that event and uh, things that are going to be happening at the game to to help with the fundraising. Some uh, limited edition pink pucks will be sold for ten bucks each. I'm guessing the the thought process is to have them face down because some of them are going to be autographed by Broncos players. So you grab a random puck off a table for ten bucks, and if you flip it over, it could be autographed. So who knows? Uh, it obviously goes to a great uh, great cause with with that, regardless of whether or not you get an autograph puck but uh, have a chance to get an autograph one from your favorite player and and, and raise some money for a, a wonderful cause at the same time yeah the dr noble urban regional Healthcare foundation they've done some amazing work in southwest saskatchewan over the past few decades just bringing state-of-the-art equipment to that cypress regional hospital uh, the crew there works tirelessly to do so and it's awesome to partner up with them for that this saturday so get a pink puck i, I saw these pucks they're they actually have the same feel and texture and make of a regular puck and uh, those pink ones will will be available this Saturday, 10 bucks, and help support getting a digital mammography unit in our Cypress Regional Hospital. Also, we are on the uh, cusp of the World Under-17 Hockey Challenge invading Swift Current. That's going to go November 2nd to 9th. Single game tickets available at the stable. Uh, you can also go to the City of Swift Current website. Uh, there's plenty of information there to be had about World Under-17s, the world coming to Swift. Yeah, and there's there's so many players that are coming to this tournament and going to play here at the iPlay that will be NHL players. I mean, this is kind of the first chance to see a lot of these guys because obviously the guys who play in the Ontario Hockey League and the Quebec Major Junior League, they would never come to Swift Current to play regardless throughout the WHL season. So that's your only chance to see those types of players. But even guys in the Western League who don't come here that often, maybe only once a year, you get a chance to see them. So, I mean, I'm talking about guys like Shane Wright, who was given exceptional status in the OHL, only the fifth player ever to get exceptional status. He's an 04 player playing at this event and a guy who is already pegged as the first overall pick in the, what, 2022 NHL draft. Wow. So players like that that are going to come here, you get a chance to see them when they're, in his case, you know, 15 years old. So this is not an event to say, yeah, maybe I'll go to a game here and there. Like, no, this is when you, you got to watch every game of this event because there are legitimate NHL future stars playing in this event every game here at the Iplex. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see some of these guys here. Hopefully I can sneak out of work and sneak by Nathan's office, go catch some of these games throughout the tournament. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> Creep past and just go, uh, yeah, say you just got to go do some work out at ice level. That <laughs> seems to work.
work. But uh, but yeah, Bronco alums who have played in this uh, World Under-17 Hockey Classic, uh, Glenn Godden, uh, Stuart Skinner, Beck Malenstein, Josh Anderson, some to, to name a few. But yeah, as you mentioned, the phenom Shane Wright will be a, a part of things as well. So games for the World Under-17 Hockey Challenge. Tickets available at the stable. Uh, the event stretches across southwestern Saskatchewan and into southeastern Alberta with Swift Currents and Medicine Hat co-hosting the event. All right, that'll do it for another edition of the Broncos This Week podcast brought to you by Original 16. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to Broncos This Week presented by Original 16.